0: My Heidi Mai, Kie Tucker, welcome to the panel on RNZ National. On today, Prime Minister Chris Hipkins admitted he had shut down plans for a tax switch in this year's budget, which would have seen a tax-free bracket and a 1.5 percent tax on wealth above five million. So, would we be better off with a wealth tax or capital gains tax? That just after four today. The saga that has has embroiled a major public broadcast of the BBC. We discussed that this afternoon. And some rural schools are saying, well, hang on, we want to be provided with wool carpet, not synthetic carpets. That on the panel. And New Zealand misses out on being named the greatest country on Earth for the first time in 10 years in a large UK readers poll. It's been at the top since 2012. Not anymore. So... I want to ask you today, what is the greatest country and indeed the greatest city? Where have you lived that you just adored? A place you could set up home again? Is it Seville in Spain? Kyoto, Japan? Dubrovnik, Croatia? What about Chicago? Where could you live if not New Zealand? Let me hear from you. Text me 2101 or email panel at rnz.co.nz. And if you're doing something special for Matariki with family or friends, let me hear about it. I'd love to hear uh, how are you coming together with whānau and friends this weekend. On the panel today, Ruth Money, uh, Independent Victims Advocate. Ruth, kia ora. Good to have you here. And with us in studio in Auckland, Peter Field, Head of Humanities and Creative Arts at Canterbury University. Peter, nice to meet you.
1: Yes, delightful to be here in if not the greatest country in the world, the greatest radio station in the world, right? How about that? that? Can we can we just clip that? Thank you, Peter. That's nice of you to... Yeah,
0: wasn't even prompted, was it, Ruth? No. It wasn't.
2: They didn't practice that. No.
0: Now, so let's jump into the Friday mailbag. And um, now, Martin Bosley yesterday uh, on his experiences uh, at a hospital, ED, taking his mum, who was very sick, We've got a big response to this. Uh, here's one. Uh, I totally agree with Martin on the comments around medical staff holding it together in a health system in a terrible state. My wife is a GP and is the most hardworking and caring person I know, working 80 hours plus a week with a young family, not because of anything to do with money, but because she feels the deep need to care for her patients. If It's this need to care that gets medical professionals professionals into the profession so Ruth we did have have a bit of a response around uh, you know the care that people do get once you're at hospital which square which doesn't really sort of square with the absolute stresses that they are themselves facing
2: that's right there's a lack of humanity shown to the workers but the workers are pouring humanity and empathy and that level of manakatanga for their patients and thank you everybody for doing so.
0: Here's another one. I've had nothing but fantastic treatment from Christchurch Hospital. People who work in this field are great to start with, as opposed to many businesses who will climb over anyone's back to get what they want. That's Chris's opinion. Peter?
1: Well, it certainly is a mixed bag with, with any institution under a great deal of pressure. People feel the pressure and sometimes they, they can snap even. Yeah. Um, I will say that one of the great advantages, again, here singing the praises of, of this land, is that at least the insurers are not between you and the doctors and the medical care. In the United States, before you can be seen by someone, you probably have to go to the penny pinchers and say, do you have insurance and fill out 15 forms? So we should remind ourselves of some of the great advantages we do have here. That's that's not I
0: mean, that's something that's quite lost on Kiwi, isn't it, Peter? Because my brother, he saw he lives in – he's lived in the U.S. for 20 years, and he had a medical emergency about two years ago, and he, he rang me in quite stress. I said, what's wrong? You're not being treated. He goes, I, I can't get treatment. I've got to get to the insurance thing first, and I can't get hold of them. He took a day off, and he was on an
1: iPhone – and an iPad to try and get hold of the insurers. Yes, that's, that's not an astonishing story. Alas, it's all too typical. So that is a a great crisis. It doesn't mean that we do everything right, but certainly that's an advantage of our single-payer model. Uh,
0: Also here, do you look at Google reviews when choosing a restaurant? Now, we had Sean Sarawat, who's co-owner of Cassia and the French Cafe, saying, look, a bad review can ruin a business. Someone says here, Kia team. Totally, I use and rely on those reviews, especially when away, and I cannot believe that scammers do this for a restaurant. Thanks for the heads up. Another one here. I don't bother with restaurant reviews because they're mostly fake. My mate had a cafe and she did a bit of snooping after getting the bad reviews and worked out most of them were Facebook friends from my mate's competitors uh, around the panel on this. St- do you, Ruth, do you ever do you use Google or do you use word of mouth? What do you do?
2: I use humans I don't use Google. I don't trust it um, I know too well how SEO and all those algorithms can work. Uh, so it's certainly something that I don't look at Sorry, team.
1: Yeah, okay, (laughs) Peter. Well, look, um, to be sure, you're going to get. Trouble with restaurants anyway If everything isn't perfect every time Often, right? One bad meal and we don't go back So it's a great struggle anyway So I guess negative reference is something we often engage in And so one bad review really can knock you out One bad meal And you stop going to a restaurant you used to patronize all the time Yeah, no, very true
0: Uh, Another one here I look at online reviews if the reviewer has done more than 30 reviews Too many reviewers have one review Which makes me think they've just posted that one review Good or bad, to skew it either way by the way, just jumping into our text machine here And wonderful, wonderful responses uh, On where you'd love to live in the world If not New Zealand Adrian here, after visiting Canada-Vancouver That'll be my pick um, Rory and Tologa Bay Stockholm, Sweden I lived there for a year, winter and summer What a wonderful city uh, Arjun is the best city uh, And uh, another one here, S- Saskatoon in Saskatchewan. Saskatoon, yes. Thank you, thank you. Uh, Canada, I love it. Joni Mitchell may have left and never returned, but it's a very different place these days. And jumping into your views on driving at 30 kilometres per hour in urban areas, very mixed views on this. Um, we had a big response to that. Uh, as you can imagine, Anthony says, Kira in Auckland, people mostly abide by the speed limits of 50 and 40, but absolutely no one observes the 30k limit. A rule that is ignored by 100% of people is pointless, even ridiculous. Stupid bylaws create increased lack of respect for all bylaws. Peter, I know that your fair city is uh, doing a bit around the 30k. Uh, Mark, what's your sense on this?
1: Well, look, people want to get somewhere, and if they're going to break the law, um, then it's not a very good idea to have the law. On the other hand, having pedestrian-friendly and biker-friendly cities is a really great move. Christchurch was famous for all of its bikes. It's flat, so it's much easier to bike around. And doing things at 30k for bikers is mostly preferable yeah. than 50k yeah. zooming by.
0: What do you reckon, Ruth?
2: I We have 30k on the island a lot, or Waiheke Island a lot, and... No one even knows about it. (laughs) So I do think some of this is a lack of education and PR around the change. Um, Although, uh, yes, we need to be safe when we're on bikes and and, and pedestrians. It is very frustrating when you need to get somewhere and all of a sudden it's 30 and you didn't actually know that it was 30. There's just all the traffic going slowly.
0: It it, it feels a bit
2: slow. It feels quite slow. Too slow? (laughs)
0: Ruth, money there aiming more for forty, uh, I sense. And we looked at the use of Crocs. Uh, Bruce, the podiatrist—he's been a podiatrist for nearly forty years—who uh, said that Crocs are not supportive or that uh, or that good for your feet or gait. Uh, but you will love them. Nick Leggett, now he's on the panel every now and then. He, uh, he said, loving the show, and every rower at the Māori Cup in New Zealand are wearing Crocs. They love them. Uh, another one here, as a retired nurse, just saying we like them because they can be washed. I'm leaving it to your imagination as to why we need to wash our footwear. Uh, Whoa. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, let's leave that.
1: Yeah. I don't see any crocs under the table no. here. Let, me have, yes, Let yeah. me have a look. Let me
0: have a look at what we're wearing. Uh, no, you're wearing good walking sneakers there, uh, uh, Peter. and
2: uh, I've got grown up court shoes Very on, so nice. I look like I'm an adult. Very today. nice.
0: Uh, Mark says uh, croc jandals, they are the best. Um, fantastic. Loving your responses, too. So we'll get to this uh, at the end of the show. Uh, Anthony, and so Arthur says, where would I live if not New Zealand? Hands down, Venice. Surreal, irrational, it should exist, but it does. No cars, wonderful art, and away from the tourist corridor. It is quiet, serene, and oozes a human scale livability. Wow. Never been. Uh, That's the question of the day today. Uh, If there's one place, if not in Aotearoa, you would live, where would it be? 2101 to text. Time for I've been thinking Ruth Money take it away
2: well I have been thinking about Matariki so I want to say Happy New Year to everybody um, and I really want mm. everybody to enjoy a safe and whanau focused time uh, but typically, uh, Ruth justice-focused, my I've been thinking has been about name suppression. Uh, most recently this afternoon, we have seen the name suppression be declined, or his applications be declined, for one of James Wallace's um, house... Ma- well, he was the house manager. He was also the offender who uh, tried to bribe the really brave survivors who had disclosed the sexual abuse... Now, he was charged in 2018, April of 2018, and he has just lost name suppression after many, many games and a protracted abuse of process, really, and that's what the Court of um, Appeals Judges, Judgment pretty much says about him. So uh, Ruth's rant is that our name suppression laws need a very good review, refinement and transformation. They cause a huge amount of harm to so many people. They are archaic, they are unique to New Zealand and not in a good way, Uh, and we need to chuck them out and start again.
0: I think that Kerry Allen mentioned last year that, uh, or her view then... Was that they weren't up to scratch or weren't working. Mm. Uh, is there anything around this uh, issue that you've been hearing that might no. come up?
2: No, sadly there's not, but there needs to be a significant work program. Um, sexual abuse hides in the shadows and suppression enables it. Uh, and it's not your shame when you're the survivor. And we wonder why we've got this epidemic of sexual abuse in New Zealand. And um, yeah, it is Aotearoa's shame and we need to fix it. And the suppression doesn't help.
1: All right. Very good. Right, so the name suppression is not for the victims. That's not what we're talking about, right? Correct.
2: Name no. suppression is mandatory when you're a victim survivor, and you can choose to unsuppress your name, um, which many do, because they it isn't their shame, and they want to tell their lived experience. But from an offender's perspective or an alleged offender's perspective, they can keep on applying and applying and applying, and it just drags on and on and on. It's an absolute joke.
0: All
1: right. How right. But I've been thinking, not surprisingly, about money, Uh, Ruth, not you, alas, but about money. Um, I spent some time in the United States recently. And um, I guess a number of things come to mind. The first of which is that this is one of the things, sadly, that Republicans and Democrats left and right agree on, which is no one's talking about fiscal responsibility. And the United States debt to GDP ratio has gone up quite a lot And um, as I like to joke around, the United States is not Belgium, even if you'd like to live in Brussels. Uh, It's not. And the United States has a lot of responsibility as sort of the the currency of record. And it's done a very very good job of that since Bretton Woods, since uh, really 1945. The IMF and the World Bank and others have worked with a kind of currency that we knew where it was and where it might be. And I think the United States made a lot of changes. Maybe other countries did with their sovereign debt when borrowing was free. Right, when interest rates were zero and now in a higher interest rate environment and maybe a more long time higher interest rate environment, I think it's time to worry a great deal about sovereign debt. And no one in the United States, sadly, is talking about the one trillion dollars the United States owes to Japan alone um, or the eight hundred and fifty billion billion that it owes to China or those folks who owe American debt. One trillion to Japan alone. Yeah, and and I worry about, I think it's more than that even now, quickly, now that we've had 30 seconds talking about it. Um, And and I worry a great deal that there's a lack of responsibility here toward the world and toward future generations. I mean, Mm -hmm. I can go into debt, and if my children have to pay off that debt, then it doesn't look like I'm looking out for them. And so I think uh, I worry about the current generation, which has so much... And yet, seems to be asking its children to pay for current living with right. large debt now, and that worries me a great deal.
0: We can um, come to that. We're talking, uh, you were talking wealth tax and capital gains tax just after four. Uh, also, I uh, oh, here's, here's another one. Thank you so much for. Uh, uh, all your feedback too uh, if there's a place you'd rather live in New Zealand than in New Zealand or what other place would you love to live Melbourne is my city of choice culture great public transport cosmopolitan atmosphere and best of all my grandchildren live there and another one here we're going to be talking about um, wool carpet I sold plastic carpet squares for 15 years across New Zealand. Don't believe the spin. The sustainability credentials of these products is honestly not worth the paper they are written on. Interesting. Uh, That's Richard's view anyway. You're on the panel Thursday afternoon. We have Ruth Money and Peter Field. And lovely to have you company.